Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. You know, my friend, like myself, you may be thinking that you know that God is all powerful, and yet you simply do not know how and wonder when that power, that divine power of God who can do any and all things is ever going to manifest in your life. And the good news is that that power, his power, his life chain breaking, devil destroying, sin and death conquering power can move and can be manifested in your life, not only in your life, but through your life. Amen. You know, Jesus said, and it's recorded in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, he said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Notice with God, all things are possible. And also without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe, he must believe that he is, he's whatever answer you need. He's got the answer. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And diligently seeking the Lord includes, by faith, receiving what we call the hard sayings of Jesus, which the vast majority of people on the earth today that can Confess Jesus as their Savior, do not want to hear or actually are not hearing because, well, if you read your Bible, you're going to see them there. And that's the problem. They put the pastor and the church ahead of the Lord himself. If they love the Lord supremely, they'd be looking directly at what Jesus and his apostles and prophets taught in Holy Scripture, which is the final divine authority of God. And they would be saying with Paul, let God be true in every man a liar. I want to look at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, speaking of the miracle working power of the living God who reigns forever on his throne and has never lost a battle. He wins. God wins every time. It may not look like it, but as it was in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, he conquered death by dying. According to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, the Scripture tells us that Jesus conquered death by dying. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, that is Christ, also himself, likewise took part of the same. In other words, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, was made flesh. He was a partaker of flesh and blood as we are. See, Jesus is the Son of Man. He's the Son of Man. He's God's man to redeem man. See, he had to become a man 
man live a perfect, sinless life in fulfillment of prophecy and shed his precious blood, his divine, his heavenly blood on that the altar of the cross to redeem us. Notice the scripture continues that through death, Jesus became a man that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus came and died to destroy the power of the devil. You will recall in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, it says that if Satan had known, notice, for which none of the princes of the world knew, for had they known it, the princes, meaning the principalities, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, right? Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. So if Satan and his horde of fallen angels, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they thought they were going to kill him, and that was going to be it. But no, he was buried, and he rose from the dead on the third day. You see, Jesus foretold hundreds and even thousands of years over and over before he came. He told us that he was going to come, and he did. And he fulfilled specific prophecy, even to be born in a town, not just Bethlehem, but Bethlehem Ephratah. There were two Bethlehems at that time. And so the specific details and fulfillment thereof are absolutely divine. So he foretold that he would come. And then when he got here, he foretold that he would die a death and that he would die on the cross and be raised again from the dead the third day. And he did it. And he also foretold, first of all, those are two different events there, the death on the cross and then the resurrection. And he foretold both of them and he accomplished both of them. And he also foretold while he was on earth that he was going to be coming back. So get ready, friends, because he is coming back. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory, 1 Corinthians 2, 8, that is Satan and his hordes, if had known he was going to rise again from the dead the third day. And that's where I want to transition into the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is defined in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we are crucified with Christ, with Christ. Now, our death with Christ does not redeem us, if you will. Jesus alone accomplished redemption by his perfect sacrifice. But we are to be crucified with Christ. And this is the missing central doctrine of the original gospel, the cross message that is missing from the modern church. You could pretty much not find anybody hardly teaching this message. And you know, on that note, I got a call today from a dear brother in Christ, haven't talked to him in a while, and he asked for prayer. He was struggling and stuff. And you know, I get these calls nearly every day and I praise God for them. And one of the things I testify to these brothers about is that personally, I didn't really see the manifest victory over sin until I started hearing and applying this cross message. You see, God's power is greater than our sin. How does that power, that divine power, how is it facilitated in the life of the believer? Because, you know, we get to the point where we're like, man, God's power is greater, but I'm still stumbling. I'm still struggling. I still have sin manifesting in my life. How is the power of God going to come into my life and bring about a consistent walk of holiness with the Lord, where God is not only causing there to be an 
overcoming victory, but also that there's a momentum and there's an overflow of ministry that's happening through my life. How is that going to happen? You know, that question has got to be in every believer that's ever walked with Christ. I believe that. That may be speaking to somebody right here in this conversation, but I can tell you this, every believer, no matter where you are right now, you know that that has been a thought in your heart and mind. And that's a good and a God thought because God does want to manifest his glory in each and every one of his children. So notice in 2 Corinthians 4, 10 through 12, I'd say this is going to be the paramount text, the central text of this message. Notice always, Paul says always, and I read to this this brother today and I shared with him that I personally never really begin to experience consistent victory until that cross message started taking center stage in my life. And that requires an agreement with God that you are wicked. You're depraved outside of Christ. And that that old man, that old sinful nature has to die. You know, some believe foolishly that, you know, there is no sinful nature or, you know, after you get saved. That's ridiculous. Paul said, as a Christian, he said, there is no good thing that dwells in me that is in my flesh. In other words, except for Christ. And uh, he also taught that we have to put off the old man and put on the new man every day. And that's what has to be done through the cross. And it's only the cross that can bring that victory where you and I are dead and buried and being raised up reciprocally by the Lord in his resurrection power and glory and grace. And that's when the victory is transpiring and being manifested in our lives. Look what A.W. Tozer said. He said, God salvages the individual by liquidating him and then raising him again to newness of life. You see, throughout scripture, we see the death, burial, and the resurrection of the saint of Christ in a replaying and a reenactment, if you will, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who was crucified on Calvary's cruel cross, was buried and raised again from the dead. And the scripture promises us that that same spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, also dwells in us. Let let me just stop right here for a minute and say this. If the devil can keep you from this message, he will rob you of the glory and the blessed grace and power of Jesus Christ that God has intended for you to walk in. But beloved, we have to do it his way. And even though it's not being preached, we have a Bible. And so we are 100% of Christ absolutely accountable for this message. You see, the true believer does not run from the truth of God when it sounds impossible or harsh. He humbles himself and calls out to the Lord to make his heart pregnant with the revelation of the Word of God. You see, harshest of biblical truth is the delicacy. It's the delight of the true disciple of Jesus. He runs to all of it and never from any of it. He says, let God be true in every man 
beginning with ourselves, a higher, Romans 3, 4, with Paul. He braces the cross, never evading it. He delights in the sword of the Spirit, which is the God that cuts to the core and carves the image of Christ into his life, into the fabric in the innermost core of who he is in Christ. And Christ alone is the sole identity of the true believer, and he counts not his own life in this world dear unto himself, so that he is able to finish his course with great joy. Amen. That's the definition. You see, the scripture foretold this hour when it says, preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And that's what we see today. A lot of people migrate to where there's really good music and the preaching is lame. They don't even realize that because they're all reading from some fake Bible, first of all. Second of all, they don't realize their pastor went to seminary or Bible college where they learned how to market their community, how to farm that community like a piece of land to get a crop out of it. Their desire is not to see men born again and equipped and learn how to deny themselves and walk with Christ as a real disciple of Christ on the prescription that Jesus gave that in order to follow him, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. These modern pastors don't care about that. They don't even know that and they aren't even walking that cross life themselves. And so these people that we call the church in the modern day as we see the soon return of Jesus are on the wrong side of prophecy, regrettably. I wouldn't even say they're lukewarm. I don't think that does it any justice, although that's true, but it's further than that. I don't don't even know what words to use. These guys are apostate. They're departed from the faith. If they ever knew Jesus in the beginning, here's the thing. Where are the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith? That's something we should be asking. Somebody says, well, what what are those cardinal doctrines? We got a post on safeguardyoursoul.com. Cardinal here doesn't mean the red bird. It means the foundational, the paramount, the imperative doctrines of the original gospel. And what are the cardinal characteristics of knowing God? You know, the car- the missing cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith. What are some of those while we're at it here? Well, one of them is the, what we're talking about here in this message, and it's going to be the cross. Where is the cross in the modern gospel message? It's nowhere to be found. Now, it will preach on the cross of Christ, some of them. A lot of them won't even preach that. But they will never preach the cross Christ told you to take up. And you can't have the one who died on the cross for you unless you're going to truly trust him by faith, which means you're going to obey him upon hearkening to him, receiving his salvation when he convicts you and brings you to repentance. Somebody said, we're saved by faith. And a lot of these people push that as if that's it. It's something in your mind and heart, and that's it. Not true. Those that are saved by grace through faith are the workmanship of God. Now, their works don't save them. The fruit does not save them, but it's always going to be the fruit of a true believer. Don't tell me you believe in and are walking with Jesus and there's no fruit of good works and the fruit of the Spirit to prove that. I believe it was John the Baptist said, repent and bring forth fruit, meat for repent. In other words, fruit that is consistent with and fitting with and proves your repentance. How many soul winners do you know? People that 
about a doing the commission of Jesus? Ask yourself that question, and that'll tell you a whole lot. Many missing cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith. And as Paul said in Galatians 1, 6 through 9, those who preach another gospel, that gospel that is not coming straight off the pages of the gospels and of the writing of the 27 book canon of the New Testament. And he said, there are curse those who preach another, any other gospel. Where is the divinity of Jesus Christ? Where is it? Where's the Christology teachings? Christology is simply a term we use that means the study of Christ. We say we're saved by Christ and we don't even want to know him and all about him. Wow. That's a head scratcher to say at least. Where's the virgin birth of the only begotten son of God? The new versions have removed this essential only begotten word that comes from the original Greek and is faithfully translated as usual in the King James Bible. To be born a virgin, not only because it was in fulfillment of scripture, but because he couldn't have the blood of a fallen man in his veins. He had to have the blood of the heavenly father, the divine sinless Heavenly Father. Where is the essential blood of Jesus Christ being taught? I'm just asking you folks, unless I'm missing something, I don't hardly hear it any time, at any time. None of these things. Everything's about getting more from God, coping in this life. It's all surface level and shallow and does not contain the foundational truths of the original gospel. Here's another one. What about the inherent fallen nature of mankind, which is the premise and the need for the daily cross? So that old man is being put under. And the new man, which is created in in the image of Christ, you're being raised up into the new man that God ordained you to walk in. Here's another one. What about worshiping God and not idols, like idolatry and Jesus being your first love? Where is the essential doctrine and the necessity of repentance? What about the return of Christ and everything he says about being ready for it? And one more, although there's many more listed here, the essential daily cross, the crucified life which Jesus requires. This is, by the way, come from a message. It's called Top 12 Missing Essential Doctrines in the Modern Church World. In fact, there's actually like 16 of them here. Now, going to our final and our central text here that I began to read, 2 Corinthians 4, 10 through 12, we're talking about the manifest, God's power manifesting in your life. Surely, each one of us, as I said earlier, has come to a point where we're figuratively scratching our head saying, all right, now I know God's all powerful. And if he is, because I'm now him, his, and he saved me, how is it that this power from God, which there's no lack of, and it's infinite and divine, why am I somehow not experiencing it to the point where I'm not continuing to live in sin? What's the connection here? What am I missing? And some of you listening have even prayed, oh God, teach me your way something is not right. Well, you come to the right place. I don't believe it's by accident, beloved, because, you know, the Lord says, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory, our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. And, you know, that victory, Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes, causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are
are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Now, who's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? It's the same man who is writing what our major text is. In fact, it's just two chapters earlier, 2 Corinthians 2. Our main text is here in 2 Corinthians 4. And this is Paul who's living out the crucified life. And therefore, he is able to say, thanks be to God, which always causes us, those that are walking in the crucified life, the cross life, he always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh, here it is that word, manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Now, have you ever read this and said, man, this is such a blessing, but I'm not always triumphing in Christ. You know, and that doesn't mean there's going to be a lack of difficult trials and hardships that come along in our lives, but we can triumph and prosper straight through them in the divine economy. And the divine economy, beloved, is the cross economy. Amen. And let me just say this, any man not preaching the cross of Christ and the one he commanded you to take up in denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. He said that's the only way to follow him, by the way. So any other way is another gospel. But if a man's not preaching this and you think he's a man of God, you have been deceived, my friend, always bearing about in the body, Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 4.10, always, we've got, God wants to bring us into a perpetual, continual, unintermittent, is that the right term? Unintermittent, consistent, momentous, crucified life. It's not going to happen overnight, but as we learn it, it's going to become consistent and a centerpiece of our lives. Notice where we're realizing, look, God's not going to raise me up unless I'm bowing down in my heart by faith in death and burial. See, God only raised Jesus from the dead after he was dead and buried. And God's not going to raise Todd and you fill in the blank with your name, beloved, from the dead if you're not dead and you're not buried. If you're still doing things out of a self-willed heart, then there needs to be fresh repentance and surrender. And the brother that called me today was talking about how he had a, he went before the Lord in prayer. Yes, this is a really precious brother, by the way. And God uses this man. I was in Alabama and uh, I was reminded of how blessed Alabama is with a lot of good godly people. And this is the fallen world. So don't take that out of context. But I will tell you, I used to live in Alabama and there's some sincere people that love. I mean, you can't go in a coffee shop in Alabama and not seeing groups of men or women studying the Bible, fellowship and quietly, lovingly, etc. Our individuals, it's just amazing. So this is the brother that I tell people about. I said, I went into the gym and I walked by these two big guys and they were benching literally like 435 pounds. That's a lot of weight in case you don't realize. Anyway, so one of them grabbed me and this is the brother I now am close with. This is a couple of years ago. And he shook my hand. He said, hey, brother, what's your name? I said, Todd. He said, my name's Joe. I said, good to meet you, Joe. And he said, brother, can I pray for you? This guy never met me, man. I said, absolutely, brother. I was smiling for a month, man. What a blessing. And anyway, this brother called me and to, to today and he had had a you know, fresh, as believers all have to do, have a fresh come to Jesus meeting on a regular basis. And then, I mean, God is using this guy, man, powerfully. And I told him on the authority of God's word that I believe his best days are yet to come. And I read to 
him because it's fitting for his life. He goes about laboring for the Lord, but he doesn't know the cross message yet, and now he's beginning to learn it. Uh, Notice Hebrews 6.10, and that's why on that basis we can say and know that his best days are yet to come. Because when this message begins to take its place in our lives, the power of God is going to move in your life, friend, in a way that you have never seen before. Hallelujah. When his resurrection life is teeming in you, you're going to see God do some things through your life that is just going to blow your mind in a good way, if you know what I mean. And it's going to be a blessing. Because you see, the more we're learning the cross life, the more dead and buried that we're being blessed to be, and the more his power is raising us up. And when that resurrection power is dwelling in your life through your communion and by faith, obedience, and worship of Jesus, there's going to be some powerful things happening. Praise God. I read this verse to him out of Hebrews 6.10. I said, brother, this is for you right now because he was feeling a little discouraged. I said, listen, this is for you. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And I encouraged him and reminded him that all of his sins are washed away and that God has used him to reach many lives because he's been obedient to pray for people. He goes in, when he's in the gym, and this dude's a serious athlete, let me tell you, like I said, I don't know what he's benching now. It might be more than 435, but I, you know, he's ministering to people and praying for them. And yet once this cross starts taking its place in a central fashion in this brother's life, just like the same would be for you and I, look out, Dell, because you see, perhaps we can observe that the deeper the death and burial, the more consummate, if you will, and secure that is, the higher the resurrection power is going to be, the greater it's going to be. Notice Paul saying, always, he's talking about suffering great afflictions in this passage, persecutions, perplexed troubles. Then again, he says, being in all these things, he's not persecuted him and those that ministered with him or cast down or not destroyed because God is with him. And then he says here, always bearing about all the way through all of these things that happen to us in this life. Bear always. Notice the word always. Amen. Serving God is to be continually. Daniel sought God continually. Look up the word continual in the book of Daniel. What an amazing, simple revelation. It's so profoundly essential to each of our lives. Seek the Lord's strength. Seek his face continually, relentlessly. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. Do you have a heart after God like the psalmist, beloved? Do you have a heart after God? That's one thing we want to look at and, and make sure that we are choosing to diligently seek the Lord. Amen. Is he the first love of your life? Notice the psalmist also said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And also in verse 8 of Psalm 27, that was verse 4, when thou said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Let me ask you, friend, have you answered the call of God because he is telling you to seek his face? Have you said with David, thy face, Lord, will I seek? Do you get up every morning seeking the Lord in his word and in prayer communion and praise? Amen. Let me go as far as to say this. You haven't even begun to walk with God and be a true disciplined follower of Jesus. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined follower. 
follower of Jesus. He doesn't do it when it's convenient. He does it all the time by faith, not by feelings. For we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Memorize it. Write it on an index card. You live by faith. You don't live by feelings. You live by faith. Listen, every morning, I should say nearly every morning, the flesh and the body and the tiredness is saying in my heart, and I'm sure it's pretty much the same for most of us, most mornings, it's like, man, just go back to sleep. No. Now, us military guys probably have a little head start, and that's why it's good to talk about this. So you gentlemen and ladies that have been raised by a good militant uh, father who made you love you enough to make you be disciplined and do stuff. You know, if you're going to play on a sports team, you're going to finish the season. You're not quitting. You understand that? So my dad told us. You start, you're going to finish. You understand that? He looked straight in the eye with this, this strong look. Like, if you start, you are going to finish. There is no quitting. And that's how we should be with God. You got to endure to the end to be saved. You got to fight the good fight of faith, beloved, all the way to the end, not counting your life dear to yourself, that you might finish your course, like Paul said. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my his course. He said, I kept the faith. What does that tell us? Keep the faith. You got to endure to the end by faith with Christ. And if you're living by faith, faith is into your heart by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And his word said, this cross has got to be central and you're not following Jesus, Luke 9, 23 and 24, unless you're doing it according to his prescription, which is to deny, not build up and esteem yourself. No. Try to make yourself something in this world. No. Liquidate. Let yourself be liquidated. Cry out with John the Baptist that you must, God, you must increase, but I must decrease. Don't look for a promotion. Look for a demotion. Cry out to Jesus to give you a broken and a contrite heart. That's what pleases God, being poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 3. Hallelujah for God. A disposition that is always dependent on God and always desperate for the saving, the invigorating, the blessed divine enablement of the grace of God. Amen. Always bearing in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also Jesus might be, here's that word again, manifest in our body. See, no matter what Paul was doing in this whole context here, if you read 2 Corinthians 4, is not real pretty. It's not a smooth sea. It's not a rose garden. It's horrific afflictions and persecutions. But the power of life also of Jesus was being made manifest in his mortal body through it all. And then verse 11, or 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Trials and the temptations and the afflictions cause us to be delivered unto death. They're a blessing because they cause you to bow down in that death and burial posture of the cross, which guarantees the reciprocal resurrection life of Christ, him raising you up out of that posture. And that right there, friend, is when the victory is going to manifest in your life. Yes, this victory that you've read about in the Bible and you've heard about through the saints of Christ, this infinite divine power that God wants to bring to manifestation in your life is going to come out of a cross posture where you're dead and buried with Jesus. You know, a great prayer right now would be, Lord Jesus, anoint me with your Holy Spirit to be dead and buried with Christ, Lord, because I know you're going to raise me up in your power to glorify 
glorify yourself as that is taking place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Remember, again, Romans 8, 11 says that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is also going to raise you and I up as we are crucified with Christ. That'd be a great scripture to memorize. All of these cross scriptures, I want you to begin to learn them and meditate upon them, man, and share them with other believers. Notice again, verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Notice that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. See, when we're crucified with Christ. That's a great scripture to memorize and declare every day prayerfully and by faith, not just in a mechanical fashion, but with the living revelation of it, that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Also, Colossians 3, 3, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I find that powerful to declare that divine truth truth over my life every day. And what happens then? The life also of Jesus is made manifest in our mortal flesh. And then he says, the final verse of our passage, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Perhaps somebody's listening to me that has been crying out to be used of God. Well, this is how it happens. It happens through the cross life where death is working in you, but life is working through you. And that's what Paul says here to his audience that he's writing to. So then death worketh in us. That's the cross posture of being dead and buried, but life in you. So through Paul and his cohorts, crucified lives flowed a river of blessing and power and glory and grace from heaven into the lives of other people. Amen. What a blessed truth this is, saints. And another passage real quick that I want to touch on, because I want you to get a hold of this and begin studying and meditating upon this yourself. Notice John 14, 21 through 23, Jesus says this, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Notice Jesus defined those who really love him. They have uh, his commandments earlier in this gospel, Jesus said, search the scriptures for they are they which testify of me. So if you love him, you will search out his word to find out more about him and to be nourished with these words of eternal life. First Timothy 4, 6. So Jesus says, he that has my commandments and keepeth them. He's a doer of the word. He it is that loveth me. See, it's one thing to say we love God, but Jesus is saying right here, as he does all over the New Testament, that if you love him, you will obey him. And he that love me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest. uh Oh, there it is again myself to him. See, those that are walking with Jesus on a daily basis, Jesus said that those who follow him must do it daily via the cross, Luke 9, 23 and 24. And God's going to manifest himself to him. There it is. That's another clear revelation that when God is manifesting himself in and to us, there's going to be his power to bring about a holy life and a consistent life and a life through which the power of God flows 
words. Then verse 23, Jesus, this is John 14, 21 through 23. Notice verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him, unto him and make our abode with him. They're going to camp out. They're going to dwell richly and in a big way in the lives of those that are walking with Jesus. And anybody walking with Jesus is learning to deny themselves, take up their cross daily to live a crucified life and follow Jesus. That's what God is calling you to, my beloved friend, a life, a crucified life. Paul said, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. In Galatians 5.24, as we close, friend, let me exhort you to become cross-saturated, saturated, camping out on this message of the cross to let it consume you. Let the addiction begin. Amen. The people, as we've been talking here, are stuck in their sluggish, lukewarm, fat lifestyle who want out. And the cross is the only way out. That's Christ's prescription. And you know, the thing, you know, serendipity, the thing that you think is the least thing that would be the answer is going to be the answer. The flesh doesn't like the cross, which only underscores the need for the to put that flesh, that body, the, the deeds of the body, the, the iniquities of the flesh under so that they are silenced. Amen. Cross life brings forth a vibrant resurrection grace, raising people up out of their doldrums, out of the pit of despair, sloth, and misery. And Jesus is that one who is raising up his crucified saints. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John chapter 11, verse 25. As we close here, there are three books the ministry has on this cross life. And again, all of the scriptures and the encouragement and testimony in these books, I believe, will go a, a huge way to teach this cross message to you. We've got one called 31 Cross Prayers, also I Die Daily, and also Raised Up. And many lives have been changed through the scriptures on the cross in these books. You'll see it on the website. It's called Three Cross Books. And anyway, you'll see it on Safeguard Your or you can buy the books individually on SafeguardYourSoul.com or Amazon. Amazon. Check it out. God bless you, friends. Glad we had these moments together. And may God bless each of us to grow in his holy grace in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several, many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're Your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country. 
country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.